We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. needs WinBet. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. They're the presenting sponsor of the Rotowire NBA podcast and the exclusive sponsor of Rotowire Fantasy Podcast. I'm joined once again by James Anderson uh, for our Western Conference win total over-unders. James, last week we hit the Eastern Conference. It felt like compared to years past, not as much dissension between you and I. There were a lot that you know we either kind of agreed with, with what the line makers were thinking or we were in complete you know, united disagreement, uh, but there weren't there weren't too many that we really went back and forth on. But um, you know, we just revealed our picks to each other, and uh, and I think there's going to be at least a little bit more of a debate as we move through the 15 Western Conference teams. Nice, yeah. I mean that that was. Uh, I mean, I, I wonder. It'll be fun to look back and see whether us being in that much lockstep on the East actually uh, was indicative of anything or or not. But um, this should be should be a fun one. Yeah, kind of strange that once again we were not consulted uh, by the line makers this year. You would think with, with some of the influence that we hold over this stuff uh, on an annual basis that we would have more of a say, but apparently not. We begin as always at the top of the alphabet uh, in the Eastern Conference. There's like what I think there's like six teams that would even come before this team uh, in the overall order, but the Dallas Mavericks, number one in alphabetical order in the Western Conference, 48 win pace last year, uh, 48 and a half is their number this year. You and I are both going over on the Dallas Mavericks. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought, uh, and and the crazy thing here is that the um, the under is minus one twenty, and the over is is even. So um, more people are betting the under than the over. And uh, you know, on the one hand, I'm a little hesitant to go over uh, on a Jason Kidd coach team, given. You know how disastrous his his run with the Bucks was, but 
Um, I mean, really, like the Mavs, they weren't playing in in Tampa Bay last year, but they they had just a really brutal season, kind of like the Raptors did, just from an, an availability standpoint. It just sort of seemed like uh, a lot of their really key role players, like Dorian Finney-Smith. I mean, Dorian Finney-Smith like had a really kind of rough first couple months. Maxi Kleber was never right last year physically. Uh, I don't think Kristaps Porzingis can play as bad as he did last year. I mean, maybe that's what this line comes down to more than anything. But um, And then also, like, Josh Richardson just wasn't a good fit. Um, and so I think you, you look at, you know, maybe Jalen Brunson's a little bit better. Uh, Tim Hardaway kind of is what he is. Reggie Bullock's a nice fit. Uh, I think Finney Smith and Maxi Kleber are going to play significantly better over the course of the full season than they did than they did last year. And uh, I think Kristaps Porzingis, um, you know, this is kind of a like last year in the playoffs was kind of like rock bottom for him. And I just I assume um, that he's going to be a little bit better than that at the very least. So I, I, I'd go over. So first of all, I I think we had uh, Dorian Finney-Smith as first player to be mentioned on the podcast. That cash is at about plus fifty thousand. Um, <laughs> but but you're you're right about about some of these role players. They had they had bad COVID luck. They had some bad injury luck. Uh, when it comes to Porzingis, like I, I don't want to use the word luck because it's not like anything. You know, when he misses fifteen or twenty games, it's not like it's unexpected. I mean, I, I think it'd be unexpected if he played seventy eight games. And if that's the case, they probably go over pretty easily. Uh, but you mentioned the Jason Kidd factor. That's what it comes down to for me. And I, I almost went under on this one. It's basically how much do I distrust Jason Kidd versus how much do I trust Luka Doncic? And I, I think I trust Luka at this point more than I do Kidd to potentially bring down this team, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, I think so. And as good as, you know, I, I think Rick Carlisle is a top five coach, but I don't think he was extracting top five coach level production from this roster anymore, just because I think he'd kind of been there long enough. And um, like this team really didn't run very much at all under Carlisle. And maybe Luca doesn't want to run that much because he he just loves being in control in the half court or something. But, you know, even if they just ran a little bit more, I think that that would be good for them. And so I, I just think, you know, you get Luka Doncic, a coach that, you know, maybe he'll be on the same page with Jason Kidd. Maybe he won't be, but I don't really think he was on the same page with Rick Carlisle again. No, I think that's I think that's totally fair. I, I don't think Rick Carlisle has necessarily fallen off as a coach, but I, I think there's a case to be made that maybe his message doesn't resonate quite as well with like a 22-year-old who probably was, you know, not really even paying all that close attention to the NBA when Rick Carlisle was winning his coach of the year award in like 2003, you know? So I, I think it's just kind of one of those things where it, no one is, is like decrying Rick Carlisle as, as a, as a bad coach all of a sudden, but it was just a, uh, a, a kind of a where now it is welcome, I guess, type of situation in Dallas. So, I mean, there's a possibility that just having a fresh face in there, as long as it's someone who's not going to completely run the team into the ground, like that, that could be an upgrade by default, you know, if the Mavs and then if Luca had, had kind of turned out, uh, or tuned out Rick Carlisle to some degree. Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, is Luca at the point now, and I, I feel like we said this last year too, but is he at the point now where you're kind of young LeBron, young Kevin Durant, where as long as he's healthy and as long as he doesn't miss more than, say, 10 or 12 games, you know, this team is always just going to be around 50 wins no matter who's around him? 
that's that's pretty much my bet here. Um, you know, the one thing, and you know, Jason Kidd was so weird with his defensive schemes in Milwaukee. Like the defensive aspect of this is the one area where maybe we see Jason Kidd just not be up to the challenge. But I mean, offensively, this is going to be a monster, kind of regardless of what Kidd does or doesn't do. Uh, you know, you add another lights-out shooter and Reggie Bullock, I mean, playing Luka Doncic with four shooters or even three shooters, like, you you can't really stop that. So um, mm-hmm. I, I definitely think he can carry them to uh, top-five offense, and then it's just kind of a matter of where the defense finishes. The Denver Nuggets, 54-win pace last season. Uh, of course, they will be without Jamal Murray uh, to begin this season and perhaps for, for the majority of this regular season. As a result, that number sits at 47 and a half. Of course, last year, um, you know, 54 win pace. We're projecting out for 82 games. Uh, we should have 82 games this time around. Uh, are you buying into uh, what, what the odds makers see as some regression for the Nuggets? Um, you know, I think uh, I think this line really just kind of misses the boat a little on Jamal Murray's regular season impact uh compared to like Nicole Jokic's regular season impact I think like Jamal Murray the, you know at his best we've seen him in the playoffs most notably like the bubble but there have been large stretches of regular seasons in recent years where he's just been kind of you know hit or miss um streaky not not very reliable um still an extremely talented player and a guy that you would love to have as, as one of your best young players on the team but um, I don't think he's a guy where you should see this line dip that drastically. And then you also factor in that they had they got Aaron Gordon midseason last year, and they'll have him for a full year this year. Uh, Michael Porter, I think, is a, you know, I mean, he's a guy that, you know, what, is he like a top 25 pick in fantasy? Like, I, he was <laughs> he was nowhere near there last season. And Well, that's partially um, so because I, of the Murray absence. But, yeah, I mean, the progression is there. Yeah, I mean, like compared to like like what what they were asking Michael Porter to do early last season compared to what like it 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 was just I don't think the trust was there from the coaching staff to play him and, and give him the ball as much as he's going to be getting it this year. Um, and so I think obviously the downgrade in the backcourt, you know, it'll be felt. But um, like Nikola Jokic also is kind of the offensive hub anyway. So like if if there was ever a superstar center who wasn't going to be hurt that much by losing his point guard. It's Jokic. And um, like, I think Mike Malone's also just the, like, he's a really good coach at kind of um, getting sort of a a team to think that they're being like underrated and and kind of slept on a little bit and, and like a us versus them type of thing. So um, I really like this over. Now, of course, if like Jokic, Jokic has been kind of an Iron Man lately, and if, if he misses any chunk of time, then it, it probably goes under. But if, if you get like 75 games from Jokic, I think this goes over. I feel the same way. And it almost goes without saying, and I, I think we mentioned this on the Eastern Conference pod as well. I mean, unless we're talking about a Porzingis, Kevin Love you know, type of guy who you're expecting essentially to get hurt, um, you know, we're, we're making these picks under the assumption that guys are going to have like their same injury luck that they've had the last few years. And I think that's something that with each passing season becomes one of the more impressive things about 
Nikola Jokic the player and like Nikola Jokic his fantasy profile is that you know for as much crap as he takes about what his body looks like like he has been he's been as much of an Iron Man as any superstar in the league right I mean especially with with the amount of games that LeBron has missed over the last few years I mean Harden finally had one of those years last year I, I don't know if there's a single superstar maybe maybe Giannis is close to that category but is, is there another superstar who you would feel you know any better about health wise like I mean Jokic is, is a lock at this point it feels like to play in in virtually as many games as he wants to yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't say a lock. I mean, like, we would have probably said the same thing about Carl Anthony Towns, like, two years ago, and then that yeah. kind of stopped yeah. being the case. So, like, I mean, it, it it's true until it's not true, but uh, I would I would project him at, you know, 77 games played this year. And, mm-hmm. you know, if he falls short of that, then so be it. But with a lot of these, if, if a player of Jokic's caliber misses time, it's going to go the other way anyway. So, um, I mean, I... Yeah, I just do. What do you think about like what I said about like Jamal Murray? Mm-hmm. Like, do you, do you agree that his sort of regular season impact is getting maybe a bit overrated with this line? I think it's possible. I mean, I think part of it is Denver has a built in like really high floor, maybe not a high ceiling, but a high floor backup in Monte Morris, you know, a guy who is not going to kill you when he's out there. I mean, he's, he's probably just going to give you league average play and he's not going to turn the ball over. He's not going to get in Jokic's way. So I think having a guy like that as your natural backup uh, is really valuable. And I mean, they finished 13 and five without Murray to, to, to end the regular season last year. And and one of those losses was game 72 that they tried to lose. So I mean, essentially 13 and four in 17 games without Murray, where you're actually trying. I mean, this is a team that started the year 17 and 15. I mean, they were like, what do we say they were on 54 win pace? They were not on a 54 win pace, uh, you know, almost at midseason. And, and they really turned it on. They, they finished 47 and 25. So they, they basically go 30 and nine, uh, not counting that that throwaway loss at the end. And half of those games were without Murray. So I, I don't want this to come off as, you know, us saying like Jamal Murray is not that good because obviously he's he's had some huge performances in huge games that that completely go against that. But the numbers from last season would certainly back up your argument that he's maybe a little bit overrated in terms of his game to game volume in the regular season. Right. And I mean, I would I'm definitely not saying he's not good because to me, they're not even uh, like I don't even view them. I think I have like Dallas and like some other teams in the West as like potential uh, finals teams. And I don't even think the Nuggets have that upside because I don't think they're going to have a fully healthy Jamal Murray. Like I think they Jamal Murray unlocks them in the playoffs. They need him desperately to be that type of contender. But I think as a regular season team, I think they'll be fine. Uh, so just to clarify, we're both going over on 47 and a half for Denver. Um, how high would that number have to be for you to to go the other way? Uh, if it was like 50 and a half, I'd probably go under. Okay. Um, yeah, just, just sort of. Yeah, I mean, like, I think it's about three wins, two, two to three wins too low. Okay. All right. The Golden State Warriors, 44 win pace. Last season, obviously a massive improvement uh, from the year before. Steph Curry uh, staying about as healthy as you could reasonably expect. Uh, they're not going to get Clay Thompson back until it sounds like Christmas Day, which feels like early in the season, but that would mean he misses the first 32 games of the year. The Warriors have that one of the schedules uh, that that's really uh, stacked toward early in the season. Um, so he's still going to miss, you know, probably at, at least half of the year when you start to factor in back-to-backs and, and built-in rest and whatnot. Nonetheless. 
This number sits at 48 and a half wins. Uh, we have our first disagreement. You're going over. Uh, I'm marking this as a stay away, but I think I'm going to go under, James. Okay, yeah. So uh, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, this isn't like a best bet or anything because I think you have to uh, factor in that this team goes as far as Steph Curry takes it. And so, I mean, Curry was sort of more healthy than usual last year. Um, like I, I remember, I remember passing on him in the first round of a fantasy draft because I was like, I just don't trust him to play a full season. Like I think he's going to miss like 15, 20 games. And that was obviously a huge mistake. So if, if Curry just misses like 20 games, this probably goes under. Um, but I, you know, one of my favorite stats that I dug up when I was doing the article for this on the, the Rotowire sports betting site is that this team was uh, three and 12 in games where James Wiseman played 25 plus minutes last year. Mm. And so I, I think that it's very clear at this point, regardless of what they want to say um, publicly, that he is a, a net negative when he's out there. And I just think that there's not enough margin for error for this team to do both of the things they want to do at the same time. Like I know that going into last year, they didn't actually have realistic championship expectations last year. So they could try to do both. They could try to develop the young guys and, you know, try to win games. Um, but this year, I mean, like being in the playing game is a failure for this team. Like this team needs to get, uh, a top six seed and it probably wants to get home court advantage in the first round and I think it has the talent to do that but I think in order to do that it has to play its bets over its young guys I think like I love Jonathan Kaminga I don't think he's going to play much at all for this team this year um, I mean I think your, your bet with like Kaminga honestly Moses Moody might play more than Kaminga or Wiseman this year just because I think he's more ready to help uh, and I think your bet with Kaminga and Wiseman is that their val their trade value, like it's not going to go up or it's not going to go down that much by them not playing a ton this year. Um, so I think that they're going to just really kind of prioritize winning games, which means, you know, a lot of the old veterans with the, the know-how and the savviness that, that all these guys have um, really just kind of built around Steph Curry and, I'm I'm a little wary about what to expect from Clay when he gets healthy, but I mean I think when this team was prioritizing winning to the fullest and really kind of letting Curry and Draymond take them as far as they could, they were playing at like a 50 win pace basically, and so uh, I think that they are a dark horse um, finals contender. Um, I don't think they would win the finals, but I think they could they could definitely get there. And who knows what kind of trade they could pull off in season. Um, so I just, I'm betting on guys like Wiseman playing much less when healthy than they did last year. All right. A lot to unpack there. I, I agree with most of what you said. I, I mean, the Curry injury possibility is what ultimately tilted me toward the under. Um, you know, it, it almost feels like it's going to swing back the other way because he was so healthy last season. Hopefully that's not the case. Um, I mean, he's been all over the map throughout his career missed a ton of time early and then had a nice like five or six year run where he was 70 plus games pretty much every year 
Uh, and then, you know, these last couple of years, it, it's, it's kind of crept back up. But, you know, the injury that sidelined him for pretty much all of two seasons ago, that was a, was it like a broken hand or a broken wrist? Like it was that fluky play where he just kind of landed awkwardly. It's not like the, you know, the ankle injuries from early in his career have resurfaced or he's coming back from, you know, a, a torn ACL and a torn Achilles like Clay. Um, so there, there's somewhat of a flukiness to Curry, but at the same time, he's, he's, he's fragile and, and that's part of his profile. You know, as far as Golden State leaning on the veterans, I think they will do that to to the degree with which they're able. But like, what veterans are we talking about here? Like, how many minutes is Kevon Looney going to be playing? Like, do you want Andre Iguodala playing more than 10 to 15 minutes a game at this point? I mean, are we going to see 30 minutes of Otto Porter every single night? I I, I just I I don't know that they they're like one or two veterans short, I guess, for so, me to feel like they can comfortably lean on those guys. I mean, so I think Nemanja Bjelica is going to play as much as James Wiseman this year. Um, and I, as I, this is going to like sound outrageous, but like, I don't think that that's a bad thing for them winning games. Um, well, and like, we'll I think, I think Juan Toscano Anderson and Jordan Poole, like both took solid steps last year as role players to not to where that you, you don't want. You know, you don't want those guys out there necessarily at the end of a playoff game, but I think they both could be competent rotation guys, and they're young enough where you could maybe kind of lean on them uh, at times uh, in the regular season. I mean, you, you, you're you going to get whatever you get out of Otto Porter. I mean, I think if he's capable of playing 28 minutes a game, he will. If he gets hurt, you know, so be it. Um, but uh, I think that you know, Looney, Green, Bielitsa, Wiseman as your sort of center rotation, and you get a bunch of Green at, at power forward and uh, some Otto Porter at power forward. I mean, it's it's really going to be kind of Steph Curry, Draymond, and like whatever you get from Clay, and then just guys doing the right thing, like being in the right place, because like that's that's what screws it up is when guys start missing assignments and not being where they're supposed to be. Uh, that's when that offense just really kind of stalls out. And that's when the defense really gets into trouble. But as long as they have guys out there who know what they're supposed to be doing at all times, uh, I think they'll be okay. Ultimately, the question is, are they the team that they were for the first like two thirds of the regular season last year? Or are they the team that finished 15 and five and had some huge like key, key wins down the stretch that they really needed uh, to ultimately solidify their spot in the play? And of course they lost that game. Um, but I, I think it was still an encouraging end of the season, uh, especially the way Curry and Draymond played. I, I think that is one question. And then the other, like by far the biggest question is just what does Clay Thompson look like, right? I mean, if he comes back on Christmas Day and plays in 80 to 85% of their remaining games and is 80 to 85%, if, or if not higher, of the Clay Thompson that we remember from two years ago, then I think this goes over. You know, then they, they could kind of tread water until Clay gets back. You know, maybe you're trying trying things with with Porter and Bielitsa and Kaminga and Moses Moody. Um, but if Clay comes back and looks like Clay, they're going to be really good right away. You know, he's not the type of guy who you would think would, would really need a ton of time to ease back in. You know, he doesn't handle the ball much at all. He doesn't even dribble the ball much. Um, you know, that that shot is is something that you would think he'd at least have, you know, with, with, these, with him dealing with lower body injuries, it's not like he hasn't shot a basketball in the last two years. So if he hits the ground running, then I, I think there's a pretty good chance that I'm in trouble here with this under, but you know, there's just, there's just so many question marks. Like you, we haven't really even gone in depth on Wiseman. Like I, I think you're, there's a pretty good chance you're correct that, you know, players like Bielitsa and, you know, Juan Anderson and, and Kevon Looney give the Warriors more value this year. 
I mean, the other way this could go haywire for me is <clears throat> what if James, what if James Wiseman started suddenly starts looking like the James Wiseman that we thought he was going to be like that. That's at least in the cards, right? I, I wouldn't say it's likely, but it's not like it's not like this guy's Kwame Brown and we're just ready to write him off. No, I mean, I would for him to like become a guy that's like really helping them win games. To me, that's like less than fifteen percent, but. Um, just just for this season but like i mean if you get if, if like that scenario you outlined with clay like him coming back christmas day playing in like 85 percent of their games being 85 percent of his old self like in that scenario i think they get like up to like 55 wins um and then know, 55 if they want they won 57 when they had kevin durant um i mean they like hated each other that year uh, and weren't trying at all. But fair point. Two fair points. Um, also, like if Steph Curry misses thirty games, I could see them winning fewer than forty games. So, sure. like to me, this this like the spread on the way that this could go down. Like they could be in the lottery. They could have the number two seed in the West. Like I think both of those are are well within reason. At the Wayland Sportsbook, the number would be like. 46 and a half. I, I just 48 naps a little too high. I think they win 46 or 47 games, uh, assuming everything kind of comes out on average in terms of injury luck and, and what clay looks like. But all right, this is good. We got some disagreement. I, I think we're going to feel the other way though, uh, about the Houston Rockets 19 win pace last season. This number is inexplicably 27 and a half for a team that, that adds a, a really exciting potential future star in Jalen green. But I, I mean, I don't know what else, you know, you, I don't know what else you look at with this roster and say like, all right, I see the path to, you know, eight more wins, nine more wins to, to go over here. So I don't, I don't think it's going to surprise anyone that we're both going under on 27 and a half. Yeah. I mean, this is, I don't under, I don't understand of all the ones that are like over under, under 30 wins. I think they're all crazy um, in, in the West. Like, I think this one's really just nuts. Um, you know, I love Jalen Green. I think he's he's actually like my favorite long-term prospect in this class. But even I know he's not going to help him win games this year. Like that's just that's not how this is going to go at all. Like he's going to put up a ton of points. He's going to look really good. He's going to be just like a highlight real machine. Um, but he's not going to help them win games. Kevin Porter even more so. Um, you know, I, like there's a lot of fun guys on this team to watch. Like I, I think Kenyon Martin's really exciting. Alpern Sengun is a guy that I'm high on. Like, yes. you know, Christian that's, that's Woods. That's what can swing this one towards the over. If Shangun plays well. <laughs> Shangun is the, uh, he's the key. Um, if Shangun is, if Shangun's playing over 28 minutes a game, then I, I change everything I'm saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, like who on this team is actually going to help them win games this year? Very, very like Daniel few, Tice. Very few guys. Yeah, I mean, Jay Sean Tate in a lot of ways is is somewhat of a winning player. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, I I don't think you know even if you get a healthier season out of Eric Gordon, who misses like 40 games a year now at this point, not not exactly a winning player. Always been a, a very low efficiency scorer. Uh, this this roster is loaded with those guys. I mean, Josh Christopher might be the next Eric Eric Gordon in, in that regard. Um, yeah, and, and I mean, I'm sure you saw the news this morning. I actually went and double-checked to see if this would affect the line. Uh, shockingly, it did not. Still at 27.5 at the DraftKings Sportsbook. 
But the Rockets will not be playing John Wall in any games this year as they attempt to find a new home for him. And we also got the the classic, we will not buy him out rhetoric. Uh, we'll revisit that. We'll see. I feel like there's a chance, even though I think he's set to make 91 mil over the next two seasons. So, you know, this wouldn't be your average buyout. Um, but he's, he's going to be with the team in training camp. He's going to be around the team, but will not be playing in any games. Does that make you feel better, worse about the Rockets? Like, I, I feel like it makes me feel slightly worse about them. Like, it, John Wall is not well, the makes, same John Wall he was. But it makes me feel it makes me feel better about the under. Yeah, better about the under. Yes, that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah I mean, because John Wall, like they were they were like not, you know, competent might be a strong word, but they were they were like okay towards the beginning of last year, um when that whole James Harden thing was going on and once he like they were okay. They were, like there was a time last year where John Wall was playing better than Russell Westbrook and um, that that didn't last very long at all because John Wall got hurt. But um, you know, I mean, I, th- I I sort of assumed that something like this was going to happen because it just you had very conflicting interests. Um, you know, OKC has kind of shown like sort of the blueprint for you, you get these bad contracts um, and you just get the asset that you got with the bad contract and you don't have to play the guy. Um, so I, I'm not surprised by this at all. Like I, I kind of factored that in a little bit to the under, but it definitely helps the case there. And, um, like, I think, I think Eric Gordon's going to have sort of a PJ Tucker type of year where he's just terrible until he gets traded somewhere. And then he, like, maybe we see what he's got left, but I mean, he's not going to be motivated to do anything. This is somewhat of an aside, but is there any, obviously any spot for John Wall other than, you know, one of these just rebuilding dump sites that that will take him on and, and grab a pick or two in the process. I don't. I haven't thought about that. I, I don't really have anything. I mean, that's that's such yeah. a, you know, that contract, like you said. I mean, that's just a crazy amount for anyone to get bought out. So I just assume right. that he's just gonna get paid by them for the next year plus. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think it's uh, it's optimistic to believe that. Um, you know, the, 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 they always use like the phrasing, like the two sides will work toward finding a new home. It's not really up to either of them. It's up to it's up to whatever team is willing to take on that kind of money. And I mean, I, I think Wall was OK last year, I think, considering the circumstances, missing like two plus years with, with two very serious injuries. I thought he actually looked all right. Like I was surprised that he averaged over 20 points a game. But I mean, there's any contending team that he's going to want to play for. is not going to be lining up to pay that guy 90 million dollars over the next two years. So. We'll see how that plays out. If there's one thing we appreciate here at Rotowire, it's making good decisions. And even more so, making the right decision. I have an incredible offer for you with Rotowire's newest partner, WinBet, the premier digital casino and sportsbook app. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. WinBet brings you all the latest action with a user friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over unders, round robins, live betting and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette, double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in six U.S. states, Colorado, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding nationwide. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. WinBet is currently offering all RotoWire listeners a risk-free bet up to $500 on your first wager. All you have to do is download the WinBet app right now. That's WinBet, 
W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for Rotowire's fantasy podcast. The LA Clippers, 54 win pace last season. Uh, unsurprisingly, this number drops down to 45 and a half. No Kawhi Leonard. That's the, the main factor here. I think if Kawhi uh, is healthy as, as he normally is going into a season, then this number probably sits somewhere in the low to mid 50s, maybe somewhere in the 51 to 53 range. Uh, but but no Kawhi is a, is a major X factor. I think what makes this more complicated, uh, of course, is that the Clippers played really well without Kawhi Leonard uh, against pretty good competition in the NBA playoffs. So, you know, I, I think if they don't have that run without him, that this number is probably a few wins lower. Uh, but because they they kind of put that memory in everybody's bank of this team, you know, finding success without Kawhi, you know, this is maybe a little bit higher uh, than it should be. Yeah, I mean, it, this is probably one of the tougher, toughest lines for me in either conference. I, I would recommend staying away. Um, you know, I think I think Terrence Mann is going to play more minutes for this team than Eric Bledsoe, which I think is a good thing. But, and, you know, I don't. I don't 100% buy what Reggie Jackson did in the playoffs as something that he's going to be able to translate over to the regular season this year. Like, you know, he was playing out of his mind. It just, I just seems like kind of fool's gold a little bit. Um, I think Paul George is going to put up ridiculous numbers, but that doesn't necessarily mean they get this over. Um, If I, if I trusted Ty Lue to play Vicha Zubac a lot, then I'd be more inclined to go over as well, but I, he hates traditional centers. And so I think you're just going to see a lot of small ball and yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't have a good read on this either way at all. Um, I mean, the line is low enough that I don't think banging the under makes sense, but I could easily see them still going under. Yeah. I'm going to go under. I have this marked as a stay away as well. I think you're spot on. I think if it was, 47 and a half wins I would I would pretty comfortably go under but I, I mean we, we do kind of forget I, I think because his public reputation has deteriorated so much you know partially due to his own doing but like Paul George is still really really good and is, is still one of the best two-way wings in the league so it's not like you're losing Kawhi Leonard and the team is just like this collection of role players like you still have a, a superstar or borderline superstar at worst in Paul George I think he's going to have a huge year if he stays healthy they're going to be right around this line it, it does kind of worry you, though, like the caliber of role players that they are depending on. Like, even though Reggie Jackson had that great run, um, you know, I'm with you on Terrence, man. I, I, I do like him. But you're, you're going to be asking a ton of you're, you're asking basically Reggie Jackson to play like that for 82 games. You're asking Marcus Morris to, to do much more than he's probably capable of. Uh, I mean, Nick Batum came out of nowhere and played pretty well last year. I don't know that you can just depend on that being the case once again. Um, I mean, Luke Kennard, still very much a question mark. Like there's. There, there are a lot of things that could go very wrong for this team. You know, one of those would be Paul George either missing a bunch of time or not playing as well uh, as at least I'm expecting. Because if that doesn't happen, I mean, the rest of this roster is really nothing special at all, right? I mean, it, if most of those guys return to just the players that they've been throughout their careers, you know, then it's Paul George and and essentially what the Sacramento Kings around him. Yeah, you know, I think. It, it's just really tough because it's they, these guys have all played at such um, varying levels in just such a recent history. Like, like Reggie Jackson's highs and Reggie Jackson's lows over the past two years are just there's a mammoth gulp in between those two. And then like same with 
Terrence Mann, same with Luke Kennard, same with like Serge Ibaka. I don't even know if he's going to play this year. Um, Nick Batum was completely washed, and then he wasn't washed on a team that had title aspirations. But now that they don't have title aspirations, and he's still washed. Like I, I don't know. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. I think we are just talking ourselves in circles on why this should be a complete stay away. So let's let's move on to the LA Lakers. 48 win pace last season. Of course, the second half of their season uh, marred by injuries to LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, the number now sits at 52 and a half. And James Anderson, I am shocked that we are in agreement on the over. I, I thought this would be an easy under for you. No, no. Um, I mean, I. I'll badmouth this team when it comes to winning a title, but um, again, though I, it is a stay away on the overside, but if I had to pick, I would go over. I mean, I think for me, it just kind of comes down to how many games LeBron and AD play. And yeah. yep. it's a, uh, it's not, a, for some reason I feel better about the Steph Warriors proposition at 48 and a half with it being tied to Steph's games played than I do the Lakers 52 and a half being tied to LeBron and AD's games played. Um, partly just, I, I think the Lakers, they're, they're going to be able to afford to really kind of coast to some degree. Like, um, you know, they, <laughs> it's, it's going to be a really tough coaching job for Frank Vogel. So in the regular season, I think there's going to be times when he just kind of appeases guys from a playing time standpoint, just to kind of keep the peace. Um, I mean, this team is, is, does this team care at all? Like what their seed is, as long as they're, they've got like a top four seed. I I just don't really think so. So um, I could see LeBron missing like an extra three games with like an injury than he would have otherwise, just because he's just like, I'm not going to be unavailable at the end of the season this year. Like this is maybe my last great shot at winning a title. Um, so I just, I think this team's really going to prioritize the postseason. But of course, if, if LeBron and AD both play 70 games, then they're going to go over. Yeah. I mean, to me, this comes down to LeBron's health. I, I think Davis obviously is really important to them when you get to the Western conference finals, when you get to the NBA finals, I, I didn't think he was, he was very good at all last year. And, and he was still easily their best player, given what the rest of the roster looked like. But I, I think they can still win games without Anthony Davis. When LeBron doesn't play, they, they will not beat anybody but like the bottom six or seven teams in the league, unless Davis just, just goes nuclear, which you know, really hasn't happened all that often since he's come to the Lakers. So if LeBron plays 75 games, I think they go, they go well over. Um, I mean, if he, if he misses 20, then probably not, because I, I don't love the... Russell Westbrook, Anthony Davis pairing, or, or God forbid, you know, LeBron and Davis are out together again. It just becomes the Russell Westbrook show. I, I, I think this roster, you know, if let's say Davis is out, I think this roster fits okay around LeBron, like pretty well, actually, especially compared to last year's. Um, you know, the center situation, if you don't have Davis, is a little iffy because obviously Dwight Howard and DeAndre Jordan can't shoot. They parted ways with Marcus Gasol last week. Uh, not, not that he was a, a fantastic floor spacer, but at least someone you had to respect. Uh, but you can you can now play those, you know, kind of four out, one in, uh, or you know, one guy on the ball, four guys standing around waiting to catch and shoot uh, on, on the three, and that's that's really the style that has succeeded around LeBron throughout his entire career. And and the Lakers inexplicably, you know, went completely away from that last year. And I think that was you know outside of outside of the injuries, that was the number one reason why they struggled toward the end of the year is 
I mean, you had your, your quote unquote shooters were just not good shooters. And, you know, they, it's not like they went out and, and grabbed vintage Ray Allen and, and Clay Thompson here. But, you know, Wayne Ellington is, is a massive step up. Like Malik Monk, in theory, can shoot. Kendrick Dunn, uh, not a guy that you think of as like a knockdown three-point shooter, but the percentages have been pretty decent. Uh, even Carmelo Anthony, Trevor Ariza, like these guys are, are at least proven shooters at the NBA level. So, you know, you and I have gone gone over this so many times uh, in the offseason already. Like, I, I don't think either of us love the Russell Westbrook move at all, but I, I like what they put around LeBron specifically outside of Westbrook to the point where, you know, there's going to be nights that Westbrook probably like shoots you out of a game or maybe shoots you back into a game. But I think the role players around them are at least good enough that um, unlike last season, you know, if LeBron's not at his absolute best, it, it, I don't think it's going to be 100% on his shoulders. Yeah. I mean, the, the other thing I would just add is like the, the there's had, there's been more turnover on this roster than any other roster in the league. And that you usually notice that in the early, like the first half of the regular season, one loss record, like, like I, I could see there just being nonstop, like whenever I never put the TVs on in the office when I'm in there, but someone inevitably puts ESPN on when I'm in there. And I could just see like for weeks it just being like time to panic with Lakers. And they're like yeah, 22 yeah, yeah. and 18 and like that type of thing. And it's just like, this is always going to take time. Like, I mean, if it, if it took as long as it took with the, the, that first iteration of the heat, I mean, that, that was a better roster than this roster. So, I mean, I just, I never want to yeah. just assume that these pieces, even though like, I think these pieces will fit okay uh, before the end of the season, they probably won't fit that well right away. No, I think that's fair. Uh, the counter to that would be, I think everybody that they got rid of, they should have gotten rid of, you know, like Montrezl Harrell proved to be a pretty bad fit. Uh, I was, I was not a big Caruso guy. Kuzma, obviously great to get him out of there. Like KCP is the one guy I think you'd still want around just because I think he's really undervalued um, as far as what he provides, like keeping that defense together, especially when other guys either take possessions off or, or out of place. Like he's always flying around. I think they are going to miss him. But a lot of the roster turnover are guys that I was just like, see ya, good riddance. Like, I, I don't think you want that guy back anyway. Yeah, I mean, I I, I think they're going to miss Caruso's defense, but I, I'm with you yeah. on missing KCP the most. Okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. 
Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The Memphis Grizzlies, 43 win pace over 82 games. Last season, uh, this number, it feels like it's been in this zone uh, each of the last couple of years here. 41 and a half. Uh, We disagree again. You're going under 41 and a half. I have this marked as a stay away, but I'm going to go over. Yeah, I, I like this under, and that's even while acknowledging that I, I like a lot of the young players on this roster. But um, I think that this front office clearly sort of picked a lane during the offseason, and they could have made some uh, win-now moves to try to get from, you know, they were on a 43-win pace last year. Uh, they could have kept Jonas Valanciunas. They could have added uh, another veteran or two to, to really shore up things like on the wing. Um, but they went the opposite direction and they got rid of, like, I think just on a, over the course of the full season, Jonas Valanciunas was probably their most valuable player during the regular season last year. So they, they got rid of him. They replaced him with whatever is left of Steven Adams. Like he's, he's good at setting picks and he's good at boxing out and he's like, okay. at just being tough, like around the basket, but he's just, he's really um, not a difference maker at all relative to Valanciunas. And, you know, are they not going to play Adams? Are they going to favor playing the young guys? Like, I think that that would be a smart move, but probably, you know, if you're playing Xavier Tillman, Brandon Clark and Jaron Jackson, like, I think it's going to be really good for their development, but, you know, I think they would regress relative to what they were putting out there last year. And, you know, I don't know. I, I just think there's so much motivation for all these different teams. Like, what are we going to do if someone gets hurt in March? You know, like, are we, what are we going to do with the trade deadline? Like that type of stuff. Like, I think this Grizzlies team has picked a lane and their motivation is going to be, let's get another lottery pick. And so, um, I mean, you also bring in Jared Culver. Are they going to play Jared Culver any minutes? Cause then I, I really like the under, oh, come um, on. Zaire Williams, like I, he might have a bright future. He's going to be a huge negative this year if they play him. Um, so I, I mean, Chris Dunn. Uh, you know, I, there's, I was just, just going to say, I can't believe you haven't mentioned Chris Dunn. There's, there's a lot of sort of cheat codes here where they can be like, you uh, have to play this guy 20 minutes a game. And it's just yeah. like, okay, well, um, so I, you know, I, I just don't know what, like, why would this team be like, let's do everything we can with our rotations and with our moves throughout the season to win as many games as possible when they just traded Jonas Valanciunas for Steven Adams. Like, it just, it seems like they're being smart about everything. They know they can't win the finals this year. They can't win the finals next year. Um, so they're just trying to kind of clear the books, get, take as many bites of the apple as they can. But I just don't think this is a team that cares if it misses the playoffs this year. I think that's fair. You've brought this up before. I think it was just in the wake of the Valentinus Adams trade. And I think the other one that 
falls in line with that reasoning is the Grayson Allen deal, right? Where, you know, you're like, you know, it's not like Grayson Allen is, is a star, but it was kind of a kind of a giveaway deal for a team that was, you know, in the playoffs last season. And you do pick up a, a young prospect in, in Sam Merrill. I mean, probably not anyone that's going to be an impact player anytime soon, but you do get two future second round picks. They picked up a, a draft pick in the Steven Adams Valanciunas swap as well. So they are kind, kind of trying to like covertly make this roster just a little bit worse, like not bad enough where it's obvious and not bad enough where you're going to win 25 games, but bad enough where even if you're trying your hardest, you're probably going to come up short. Um, so I, 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 the more you talk about it, the more you're, you're maybe convincing me to switch towards the under. And, and I'm glad I have this marked as a stay away. But I also feel like they were kind of heading in this direction last year. And a lot of the guys that they were leaning on and, and happy to, to play big minutes are just, were just like too good. You know, like Desmond Bain is playing like 20 minutes a game as a second round pick and ended up giving them a ton of value. And, and eventually you're not going to be hitting on, on all your second rounders like that. You know, the chances that Zaire Williams and, and Derek Culver and Chris Dunn and, you know, Carson Edwards, who they got from Boston, like chances are those guys aren't going to be overwhelmingly positive contributors, but this team is still really deep. And I, I think you have, you still have a decent amount of top end talent, obviously in Morant. I mean, Dylan Brooks has taken a huge step forward. If Jaron Jackson's healthy, that's huge. I mean, he was basically out the entire regular season last year. Um, so even though I, I do agree, like the organization would probably prefer to pick fifth in the draft and have a bunch of cap space and be flexible. I, I still think they have enough pieces to, to push for, you know, one or two games over 500. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if I'm wrong about this, it'll be because Jaron Jackson takes a step forward. Um, if he is the same guy that we saw, uh, two seasons ago, like, I, I still think he's developing. Like, I, I think he's got a bright future. But if he were to take a big step forward and all of a sudden become a, a defensive difference maker and a guy that didn't have huge foul trouble and that type of thing, then I could see them just being happy with that. Like, okay, that's a great development for us. Let's try to win as many games as we can. Um, but I, I'm also kind of betting on, like, I think Morant, Brooks, and Anderson help you win games. And I think the, the two guys that are going to be starting in the front court probably don't unless they start Tillman. All right, the Minnesota Timberwolves, 26 win pace last season. Oh man, we are we're doing the same song and dance every single year, James. The number, inexplicably, 34 and a half. Uh, I, I'm surprised you have this marked as a stay away. I I'm just gonna keep riding the Timberwolves under every single year uh, until proven otherwise. Uh, you know what? I, you didn't do much to convince <laughs> me, but you convinced me already. I'm just, just I'm the tone removed. of my voice. I'm removing the stay away tag. And okay. I think you can you can bet the under. You can safely bet the under. Okay, I, I have the document in front of me. I can't confirm the stay away tag has been removed. I mean, you know, not many teams. I mean, the only team that might be more desperate in terms of the the kind of not top tier teams in the West besides the Pelicans is the Timberwolves. Like this is a incredibly desperate front office. Uh, a front office that's probably going to get, uh, you know, cleaned house if they, even if they hit this over by like a, a win or two, they they might all lose their job. So um, there's a lot of incentives for this team to do everything in its power this year to win games. Uh, I think Carl Anthony Towns is getting slept on a little bit in in fantasy. Like I, I kind of like him in the middle of the first round. I've seen him going in the back half of the first round. Um, just cause it, I got, you know, last year, I mean, how many players had a more 
upside down season than Towns when you just factor everything in. Like I, I think yeah. um, he really kind of rounded into form down the stretch. I think he's going to have a lot to, to really build on this year. Um, but I mean, I, I think at the end of the day, not a single guy on this team, um, maybe with the exception of like Pat Beverly has ever proven that they can win. Um, so I, I mean, Pat Beverly's far past his prime. So, right. Uh, it might just be one of those teams, like kind of like a Rockets team almost where there's more established pieces in Carl Anthony Towns and D'Angelo Russell, but at the end of the day, these guys are just gunners who don't play defense and, um, they're not other than towns. They're probably not talented enough at the things they're good at to really carry the day. This is a team that I feel like we, we always want to be good. Like I, you and I have been towns fans. Um, like I, I wouldn't say I was an Anthony Edwards fan, but he's, he's somebody that I'm, I'm like rooting to do well. And, and he played a lot better than I thought he would last year, but it's just almost every single move that they've made since acquiring towns and, and, really for like a decade before that as well, basically since uh, getting rid of KG, it just makes you scratch your head, you know? And like the D'Angelo Russell one, I think is probably the most recent example where, I mean, there, there was a chance that worked out. There's still a chance, I guess, that, that it works out. But like really everyone who is not watching basketball through like Instagram highlights just knew like this is a terrible parody. Like this, this makes no sense at all. And I think it's gone pretty much exactly like people have thought. And, you know, like bringing in Malik Beasley, like, so redundant. Like, why is that happening? Um, you know, I, I think Jade McDaniels looks like maybe a nice gem that they found uh, in the draft last year. But, you know, we'll see how close he is to actually contributing. And, and then when you start to look at the depth, that's that's where it really gets iffy, um, especially if Carl Towns is going to be a guy who misses time year in and year out going forward, which, you know, last year, some of that was COVID related. So so we'll see. But like, there is very, very little depth on this team at virtually every position. Yeah, I mean, I, I do like Towns to really bounce back from a uh, durability standpoint. Like, um, so, uh, you know, I think he's going to play a lot of games and I'm still going under here. Uh, it's really, I mean, it, it's really scary that uh, pretty much on every night, they're going to have to ask Jaden McDaniels to do the heavy lifting defensively. <laughs> like, let's, like, listen to that sentence. Like, that is that is an automatic under if you're saying that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's not even it's worse than even what like Chicago is doing, because at least at least Chicago has Lonzo Ball and uh, Alex Caruso in the backcourt. Like the the Wolves don't even have that in the backcourt and they ha- they're just as weak up front. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a shame. It'll be interesting to see where all these players are a couple of years from now, because I have a feeling that there's just going to be nonstop turmoil there for a while. The 2021-22 Minnesota Timberwolves. It's a shame. <laughs> All right, speaking of shames, the New Orleans Pelicans. Oh, and my mic just fell off of its its stand. So I, I don't know if like just talking about the the Timberwolves is enough. My mic just tapped out. Even, uh, even your mic's going under. <laughs> um. All right. Well, I'll, I'll try to set this up and then I will I'll reassemble it. But uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, 35 win pace last season. This team just completely loaded up in free agency. So completely understandable that this number jumps to 39 and a half. (laughs) So crazy. Like they, I mean, maybe they have like a lateral move at coach. Maybe. Um, They clearly downgraded, um, you know, Lonzo to Devontae Graham's a huge downgrade. 
Um, you know, Valanciunas is a is an upgrade, I think, over Steven Adams, except when you factor in that, like, this team's biggest weakness by far was just how big of a disaster the defense was. And so you get a downgrade from Lonzo to Devontae Graham defensively that's massive. And then you get a downgrade from Steven Adams to Jonas Valanciunas, which isn't maybe massive, but it's it's noticeable. And I just, you know, I, oh man, like I, there that backcourt situation, it's just you're damned if you do, damned if you don't, because you're you're either playing someone who you think has a bright future who's not ready, or you're playing someone who's just super boring and old who's not going to kill you. Um, you know, Josh Hart once again seems incredibly blocked from a playing time standpoint. Like he's maybe their third or fourth best player. He's not going to play that much. Um, it's just really ugly. And that's not even hitting on the fact that Zion Williamson, like he's Steph Curry, um, but even on a, on another level in terms of how many games he played last year, how healthy he was. I mean, are we really just expecting that to be the norm with him? I just, I think that that's playing the cart before the horse too. So I, I mean, this is my favorite bet in either conference and there's just, and then you throw in the fact that like, there's already turmoil kind of building, right? Like this could just be a complete sideshow by December, January. Right. You have turmoil building and I don't think you really have like the personalities in place to quell it. Right. Like where's, you know, you know, where's like Draymond Green or Steph Curry to, to, you know, calm everything down. You know, you, you have a, you have a new coach, you like the guy who I wouldn't say Zion is causing the turmoil, but the guy who's the center of the turmoil is like your 21 year old, you know, basically second year guy who's played 80 career games. Um, and he's also like the boss of the organization already. Like it's, it's a terrible setup and it's not really Zion's fault. It's not really anybody's fault. I mean, the Pelicans it, we're, were kind of backed into a corner with Anthony Davis. It's not like they, you know, they passed up on, on these like great free agency opportunities, but the opportunities that they have seized are, are not great ones. And I, I'm, I, I found that I'm lower on Devontae Graham, I think, than others. I, I you know, he's fine as a spot-up shooter. He's a, an okay passer, but I think that's a huge downgrade going from Lonzo Ball to Devontae Graham. If Nikhil Alexander-Walker and or Kyra Lewis are, are really good and better than most people think, you know, that maybe changes things a little bit. But at the same time, I mean, like, we, I think we had kind of liked the Pelicans roster last year, you know, kind of liked it during Zion's rookie year when they still had Drew Holiday. And this is a team that you know just hasn't really been able to put it all together whatsoever. Um, I mean, th- this line rising to 39 and a half, it's, it's just all about Zion, right? It's just, it's either people want to bet Zion, so they have to set it higher. Or, you know, if, if you really believe this team's going to win 40 games, you're convincing yourself that Zion is averaging what, like 33 points a game, 10 rebounds, five assists. Like that's, I really don't see another path to this team being really good. I mean, if this team won... Like, if this team got over 500, then I think Zion's in the MVP mix. Um, it's just, the, like, you mentioned Kira Lewis and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. When have, like, skinny guards like that who are in their third and second year ever been good? Like, they, they always take, like, four or five years to, to, like, get to the point where they're they're good players. And, um, like, I think, you know, everyone talks about, like, well, when... When is uh, Damian Lillard or Bradley Beal or Zach Levine going to ask for a trade? Um, I kind of think like Brandon Ingram might ask for a trade and it'll just be hilarious uh, when he does. But (laughs) um, 
Yeah, I mean, it's just it's a it's a total mess. And like, yeah, you know, I I know Stan isn't uh, he's not a player's coach by any means, but like he he was just trying to get them to play defense last year, and all the players like collectively were just like, nah, we're not we're not going to do that. Yeah, I mean, I I think it's you know knowing Stan Van Gundy, like it, it's fairly easy to see how that could happen. Um, you know, just kind of a previous generation coach trying to, to come in and impart his wisdom to a younger team. But I mean, that was that was one of the fastest, you know, team has completely tuned out coach reports that we've ever had. That was like three weeks into the year. I mean, it kind of reminds me of Tibbs in Minnesota, yes. where like it's not that it's not that the coach had like lost his ability to like tell the guys what to do and how to do it. But it was more that just the guys were like, nah, we're not we're not doing that. <laughs> right. Exactly. To, to their own detriment. Like, we're not doing it and we're going to be bad. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oklahoma City, 25 win pace last season. Uh, looking at that roster and looking at the amount of time that SGA missed, uh, 25 win pace is, is much higher than I would have expected. Uh, this is a pretty realistic line, I think. Uh, nonetheless, we're going to go over on 23, excuse me, go over, go under. We're both going under on 23 and a half wins for the OKC Thunder. Yeah, you know, actually the more, I I liked the under when I wrote the article, um, but the more I think about it, like it's one of my favorite unders. um, Because I don't know if you remember when they were on, they were like kind of on this weird pace of like almost 500 last year before they shut SGA down. But they had this like crazy record in close games. Like they were just way outperforming um, their their uh, you know plus minus. And um, I think that it was just absolutely catastrophic for this organization to not get a top five pick this year. And they're just not going to let that happen again. And you know I think that they who knows whether they just didn't think Kemba was going to be able to stay healthy and they were just ready to move on or, or whether they were worried about him winning too many games for them, but they got rid of him. Um, like I think Lou Dort and SGA are both really, really talented young players, but those two alone are not going to carry you, especially given what they have in the front court. And uh, Pogoshevsky like he's going to get a full season and he's going to really get to explore the studio space. And I mean, that's going to be bad um, from a one loss standpoint. Uh, Josh Giddy is clearly going to get developed. Um, he's going to be a huge negative this year, even if he could be a good long-term player. Uh, I just think they are more motivated almost than any team to lose as many games as possible this year, just given the way the lottery fell last year, because they're still sort of stuck with, you know, they might trade Dort. Like it might make sense for them to trade Dort in season to a contender. Otherwise they're going to have to, you know, sign him to a long-term deal and he might not really fit the timeline and trading him might help them lose a a few extra games. Um, So I just, I think they're just going to be extremely motivated uh, to lose as many games as possible this year. And I think they were overperforming their win total pace last year. So in re- in reality, they're probably more like a 20-win team last year. And I think they're going to be even more motivated this year. So for one, you're spot on about the the close games uh, win-loss record. I mean, their, their expected win-loss, uh, according to basketball reference, was seven wins fewer 
than the amount of games they won. So they, they were 22 and 50, and their expected win loss was 15 and 57, which would make them easily the worst team in the NBA. So chances are that moves more toward the mean. And I, I think you're right about the lottery too. Like if they if they had Jalen Green or Evan Mobley or Cade Cunningham or maybe even Jalen Suggs on this roster, you know, maybe then you just say, all right, we got we got at least one guy. We have we just signed another guy who we think could be a superstar in SGA. We have enough pieces that we feel like we can just let it go. And we're still not going to be good, but we want to, you know, we're at the point where we at least want to get these guys some seasoning. You know, it, it sucks for SGA because he's, you know, he he is the guy that's kind of trapped here. And we saw, you know, they were willing to go to fairly extreme lengths to keep him off the court. I think that that injury was kind of a blessing for, for the OKC front office. You know, other than that, I, I think that there's really no motivation for OKC to to try to win games. And, I, you know, SGA is a great great young player, not good enough that he's going to single-handedly drag you to, like, 30 wins. So there's not, not even a ton to worry about there. I don't think they're going to have to, like, find an excuse to sit him for the final 30 games of the year. I think they're probably bad enough as is. Um, I mean, other than getting him back, have they, have they improved the roster at all? Like you said, I mean, you, you add Giddy, not a guy who in, in any stretch of the imagination is going to be a positive this year. No, I mean, like, you know, Derek Favors isn't probably going to give him as much as Al Horford did, even in an extremely limited role last year. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think they I think they've been very uh, judicious about making sure the roster is worse this year. Yeah, yeah, not going to get much of a fight for me there. Um, they're they're just in a weird spot. They're in a weird spot. It's 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 strange. You know, it, it makes it hard to evaluate SGA, um, but it's. Probably going to be, I mean, this I, is the most extreme tank job we've seen since the Sixers, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, I think they're doing it the right way. And I, and I actually believe that SGA was available, um, at least for the first pick. Uh, he might have even been available for the second or third pick, too. Mm-hmm. But it just, to me, it made sense to just make that move and get a guy who's more on your timeline because you just, you're going to have to play this, this little thing with SGA every year where like, you hope that you've lost enough games where you can just keep playing them down the stretch. But um, it's just, it's going to be kind of uncomfortable and it seems like almost a matter of time before he asked to get traded to somewhere where they're actually going to try to win. All right. The Phoenix Suns, 58 wins last year. That was their pace over 82 games. Uh, this is number a little bit lower. I think than than most would expect, and that's indicated by our picks here. Uh, Fifty-one and a half wins is the number for the Phoenix Suns at the DraftKings Sportsbook. So are we suckers? Uh yeah. I mean, yeah. I would I would consider myself a sucker when it comes to like any sort of it. Bet. Just yes. it, doesn't this line just seem like they're just trying to suck in everyone on this this over? Because it just it's hard to really make sense of it. Um, like I think like the obvious, I mean, the obvious regression, right. is just that Chris Paul isn't as healthy as he was last year. He's not as good as he was last year. He, you know, he misses, you know, 30 games or whatever. Um, but I kind of still think this team would go over. Um, I just, I think like, I think Devin Booker is probably one of the 15 best players in the league. Um, you know, uh, you know, very close if, if he's not, but I think he probably is. And um, McCall Bridges is still an ascending player. Cameron Johnson has really, really impressed me. Uh, like, I think he's a legit, like he could be, if he's like your sixth best player, then I think you're in really good shape. 
Um, DeAndre Ayton continues to get better as a real life player. Like he's, he hasn't become like this fantasy force that people thought he might be, but he's just become so good uh, from a real life standpoint on both sides of the court. Um, you know, Jay Crowder could eventually regress, but I just, I see the young guys ascending like more than I see the, the two old guys descending here. And they, they're, they're still giving you like a seven win cushion with this over under. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like if, if the number was 57 and a half, I, I would say, yeah, maybe there's a chance they don't replicate that same season as last year. Cause they, they went on a crazy run in the second half and, yeah, everything seemed to come together. Maybe there's some you know injury issues that they didn't run into. I, I don't know if this is a hedge against Chris Paul's health, you know, because he was so injury prone for so long and now has been so healthy these last couple of years where it's like he's been suspiciously healthy almost. Maybe that comes back down. But you're basically running it back with the exact same team. I mean, Aiton took a big step forward. It felt like Booker took a pretty big step forward. Chris Paul really shouldn't drop off much at all as long as he's healthy. McCall Bridges, Cam Johnson, those guys should keep getting better. Maybe you get something, anything out of out of last year's lottery pick, Jalen Smith. Uh, it feels like there's a lot to like about Phoenix. I, I maybe we're in the minority here, but I don't. You know, I think if the Lakers are healthy, maybe they lose in round one and we feel differently. But I, I also don't feel like it was like this crazy fluky run to the NBA Finals, you know, to a 2-0 lead in the NBA Finals. No, I like I think the Suns are a regular season machine with this core like i don't i don't think they're gonna go to the finals again um they might not go to the finals again for like three or four years but i think they're just with this core of guys they're just kind of one of the safer bets to be in the the low to mid 50s all right the portland trailblazers 48 win pace last season 44 and a half is the number for portland this year uh, we're both going over. I have this one marked as a stay away. Uh, you do not. My my only reason for that is that there is still the possibility of a Lillard trade at some point, and, and that would likely lead to a pretty sharp decline and, and potentially even a kind of on the fly rebuild for Portland. But forty four and a half, it, it seems it seems a little generous uh, to people who are shading the over. Yeah, I mean, I, I actually really like this over just because I I do not think Damian Lillard's going to ask for a trade in season. I think um, I just think this roster is going to be too good. Like, I think they're going to be on a 47, 48, 49, 50 win pace. Um, like, it's a bet to me, it's a better roster than they had last year. And like, I maybe this, maybe I'm just like holding on to Yusuf Nurkic getting back to where he was a couple of years ago more than I should. Um, but I, I do really like Larry Nance as some insurance there. Um, I think, like, I think CJ McCollum, you know, I, I think you probably get more value from him this year than he did last year when you factor in the injury and how bad he was when he came back. Um, although he probably won't be playing at the levels he was pre-injury, uh, you know, Norm Powell, I think that's probably a, an upgrade in the regular season over Gary Trent. Um, I just, I think it's a better roster than they had last year. I worry a little bit about Dame himself starting to break down, maybe. Um, you know, he is kind of at that age, and he, and he showed some signs in the Olympics of kind of, you know, wearing down a little bit. But, 
if if it's normal Dame, I think this team could be on close to a 50 win pace. So I just don't see him asking to get traded. Uh, and even if they're on like a 46 win pace, it just seems like he would stick it out for a full year with Chauncey Billups rather than rock the boat midway through that first year. And then like if things don't go the way he wants in the playoffs, then he will definitely just be like, all right, I'm I'm out of here. But I just that's not the way I see it playing out. Yeah, I mean, this team has typically sat in the, uh, on average, you know, the high 40s, uh, even the low 50s at, at times uh, since Dame Lillard joined this team and, and became the Dame Lillard that we know today. And I mean, he's also one of those guys that's in that conversation that we mentioned at the top with the most durable stars in the league. He's had some minor injury issues these last couple of years, but a guy who you're usually counting on for, for 75-ish games, um, which, you know, in the modern NBA is, is about all you could ask. So as long as that keeps up, I, I think they do hit this relatively easily. Um, I think it would take some pretty bad injury luck for them not to hit it. And even last year, I mean, CJ McCollum was off to the best start of his career by far last season. I and mean, he was he was like a top three fantasy player through the first month of the season. Then he breaks his foot and, you know, they still are on a 48 win pace. So it, it's like realistically, are they going to have injury luck that's worse than that? You know, Nurkic also got hurt, missed a ton of time. Um, you know, they, they, they persevered through that and still were well on pace to hit the over on what, you know, on that 44 and a half number. Who, which, which of these players do you think is most likely to get traded in season? Dame Lillard, Bradley Beal, or Zach Levine? Oh boy. Um, I think, I think Bradley Beal. I think it's Beal. Where, where would you go on that? Yeah. Uh, well, I think I think Dame is the least likely of the three. I'll put it that way. Um, I kind of think <laughs> I would be surprised if Beal and Levine got traded in season. But um, I think you're right about Beal being the most likely because I think the Blazers or I think the Bulls front office has so much riding on this season working out per- personally that they're not going to pull the plug um, until the bitter end. Cause they're probably going to go down the ship. Yeah. I mean, the Levine one is interesting because it, like in theory, it's like Chicago should be his team, right? Like, I, I feel like if you're him, like you would want that, you like, you would want like move the pieces around me, you know, right? Like you're in a good spot. You're in a good city. Um, you know, anywhere you're going to be asking for a trade, you're, you're probably going to team up with, with another superstar. So maybe that's appealing. I guess, but it's not like he's in New Orleans or Memphis or Milwaukee or Minnesota like he was before, you know, like, I, I, and, and obviously they've kind of backed themselves into a corner by acquiring DeRozan and Vucevic and Lonzo. Like it, it's, it's a hell of a lot easier to just move Levine than it is move all of those guys. But, you know, with him, I, I feel like he would want to make it work around him in Chicago instead of be the guy who asks out. Yeah, I, I disagree with that just because of him being a pending free agent. And the fact that they just like, you know, what could you, even if they traded every single thing on the roster, like what could they get for those guys? And I could see him just being like, trade me to Philly. Like, I'm not going to resign with you. I will resign with them. So they're going to give you like Tyrese Maxey and Ben Simmons for me in the trade. Like that's sort of how I see that playing out. All right. We got three teams left, James, the San Antonio Spurs, 38 win pace, last season uh, this number drops all the way down to 28 and a half of course they part ways with DeMar DeRozan this is probably the closest thing that 
you know, in our lifetimes, you know, we'll ever see to a San Antonio Spurs rebuild. Uh, but they still have Greg Popovich. They still have a decent amount of young talent on this team. A couple of veterans that we like. Uh, DeJounte Murray, of course, now moves into the forefront. Uh, you and I are both going over on 28 and a half for the Spurs. Yeah, I mean, isn't this line essentially saying that DeMar DeRozan is like a nine-win player? Like, what? how else less, do you yeah. justify it? Like, how else do you justify that line? It's crazy. Um, and he's not, obviously. So, um, like, I think you, you're also – so you're dealing with, like, an overrating of how much DeMar DeRozan helped them win games last year. And then you've got, like, six players on this team who could be notably better than they were last year. And, like, be, like there's only a handful of guys – who are even in their primes, let alone post-prime. Like, you've got a ton of ascending talent. And, I mean, if this is Greg Popovich's last year, do you think that they're going to be, like, tanking games? I mean, maybe you would argue that they're tanking games by just running out this roster. But if you look at the win total from last year, I, I would disagree with that. So, um, you know, I, I just think all the motivation is going to be on winning games. Getting DeMar DeRozan out of there is going to actually, like, open that offense up finally. Like, you might actually finally be able to go four out at times. And he was their worst defensive player last year, so the defense is going to be better. I mean, it's just, I don't understand this line. It, it does feel like this line doesn't have a lot of respect for the Popovich factor, which was so much of the Spurs over-under lines for the last, like, two decades where you know, we'd look at the roster and you'd be like, yeah, I mean, Tim Duncan's like 37, Ginobili is like 35. It just doesn't look that good. And then the, the, you know, the number was like five wins higher than you'd think. And they would usually go over because it's the Spurs and it's Popovich. And it does feel like that's waned a little bit. You know, I think a lot of people kind of jumped off him after the way he coached Team USA. Obviously, they ended up winning the gold anyway. Um, I, don't, I don't think he's at his peak, but I think he still has a ton of respect around the league. I think this team certainly respects him. I, I think they, they still have this kind of Spursian way uh, about playing basketball that that's just unique in the NBA. Um, and I, I do think taking DeRozan off of this roster, this makes it more of a Greg Popovich friendly team. Right. And, and it's felt like the last like four or five years of Spurs rosters haven't really been tailored to the type of teams that pop has had success with. Like the LaMarcus Aldridge signing to me was always really bizarre. Like I, he just—he was not a Spurs guy. You know, like everything about Lamarcus Aldridge was was not really the Spurs way, and that's not necessarily a, a negative, you know, towards him. But it was just kind of a strange signing, and it felt like they—they they just wanted to go get a talent, and he was a guy out there, so they got him. And it kind of feels the same way with DeRozan. Um, obviously, they were backed into a corner with the Kawhi situation there, but neither of those guys are traditional Spurs players. And even though they may have lost the two most talented, most accomplished players that have played for this team in the last five years in Aldridge and DeRozan, I do feel like now they have a collection of Spurs guys. Yeah. And I think they, I mean, they might have like four of like the 10 most underrated players in the league. Like I, you know, we hear like people make fun of this roster all the time, but you know, DeJounte Murray and Derek White and Kellen Johnson and Jakob Pertl, like those are, they're good players. Like they're guys that would start on most teams. Uh, so, I mean, I just, I don't know. I think it's, it's not a playoff team by any stretch, but this is just this is just a weird line. All right, the Sacramento Kings, 35 win pace last season, 36 and a half is the number this year. 
this is I, this is in the exact same category as the Timberwolves. Like if you would just yeah. bet if, if you if you would just bet the like a thousand dollars on the Kings and the Timberwolves under, and if you could somehow parlay those every year for the last fifteen years, you would have like fifteen billion dollars. That's that's correct. Um, yeah, I mean this one just they're they're going to be just as desperate as the Timberwolves, um, but I just don't see why. Like th- there's just going to be more um, sort of wins spread out near the top in the West, I think, than there were last year. And so some of these teams just are going to have to take some losses. And um, I, m- I mean, it also doesn't help that like you look at their depth chart. Um, basically, Darren Fox, Rashawn Holmes and Tyrese Halliburton know that they're part of this team's long term future. Or at least they, they think they are. But, you know, Buddy Heald knows knows that they tried to trade him. Um, they're probably going to have to consider trading Harrison Barnes at this trade deadline, even though they should have done that at last year's trade deadline. Um, who, I mean, who knows what they do with the two forward spots? I mean, are they going to start Marvin Bagley? Because that, that really helps this under. Um, it's just it's kind of a roster that's in flux. And I mean, is there a coach who's more on the hot seat than Luke Walton? Like he. He should have been fired under any sort of uh, analysis last year. They just didn't do it because of how much money they owed him. I think they might have just forgot to fire him, and then it was too late. And like, <laughs> oh, this would be so awkward. Like, we just give him one more year. You also didn't mention they have Tristan Thompson. So, something to consider. Uh, yeah. I mean, although they did get to they did get to a 35-win pace last year with Son Whiteside. Am I correct? They did. That? They uh, did. I mean... <laughs> Probably an upgrade from from Whiteside to Thompson, or is that a downgrade? I think that's an overall upgrade. I think every now and then Whiteside has a game where it makes you wonder, like, is this should he be in the Hall of Fame? But (laughs) nine nine out of ten times, Tristan Thompson is going to give you more value. I I will say this line is low enough that it at least makes you think about it. Like in years past, it's always been way too high. Like I I I thought for five to ten seconds. I'm not in love. Like I'm not in love with it. Um, And I kind of feel that way about the Timberwolves one too because they. You know, the, these sports books, they're in the business of winning money and they're, you know, they've got to set the line somewhere where people aren't just going to be betting their life savings on the under. Yeah, no, that's a good point. At some point, it's going to reverse. It might be another 10 to 20 years. I'm not sure. I I just feel like the Kings are, are treading water yet again. And part of me wants there to be the Ben Simmons, De'Aaron Fox deal. I haven't decided like which team wins that deal. I, I think it'd be the Sixers at this point, but I just want to see De'Aaron Fox anywhere else right now and then but if that happens then all of a sudden Tyrese Halliburton becomes a new De'Aaron Fox and I'd feel bad for him too like it it was a lot more fun when the Kings didn't have any players that you wanted to root for it's a bummer that uh Ben Simmons game is just so impossible to build around because I just there's not a single team where I'm like ooh, that'd be fun put him on that team it's just kind of like yeah like yeah yeah well I mean I'm sure you saw Simmons wants to go to the California teams the three California teams. Yeah, right. Not, but with the exception <laughs> of the Kings, it basically is like I'd rather live in LA than be successful at basketball. Like the, the, one of them has to want me, right? Yeah. All right. We finish out with the Utah Jazz, 59 win pace last season. That of course was tops in the Western Conference. Uh, they flame out in round two uh, against the LA Clippers. Disappointing end of the season. Um, much like the Suns, we, we see a, a pretty big regression. Uh, in terms of where this number comes in, they have the same number as the Phoenix Suns, 51 and a half. 
yeah, and I feel basically the same way about it. Like I feel like I may I might be the sucker in the room because I just don't understand uh, the thinking behind this line. Um, I mean, does any team in the league like value getting the one seed more than the Jazz? I mean, maybe the Bucks. Like I, of the realistic one seeds, like which? No, team I, I think really I think the Jazz are one? the Jazz even more than the Bucks because the Bucks won the title. Like they yeah. They want to win it again, but they don't have as nearly as much pressure now as they did any other year. Like Utah, I don't. It's hard to say. There's like a ton of title pressure on Utah because ultimately, I don't think that many people expect them to like really be in that conversation. But internally, well, yeah, I mean, getting getting the one seed is huge. And if you win as many games as they won last year, that internal pressure is just there. It like all the players are probably just like, oh my god, like we we won like. A crazy amount of games last year like we were so close we might have won the finals if, if everyone stayed healthy and to that point like how many games did Mike Conley and Donovan Mitchell combine to miss last year like I I don't even think they're gonna have as bad an injury luck as they did last year so I mean I don't know I, I think it's it seems like a pretty easy over to me same here. I mean, you you brought this up with the Suns. It's a, it's the same thing with the Jazz. Like, why why is this line so low? Uh, are we suckers? You know, the answer is is yes, most likely. Um, but it's it's hard to really build a convincing argument for why this team is going to lose eight more games than it did last year. Like, they both teams, the Suns and the Jazz, essentially bring back the same rosters. And like the only it, it, the only true argument is, you know, you think there's going to be a catastrophic injury, and that's not really a, a very fun thing to analyze, in my opinion. I mean, the only real argument is that they brought in Hassan Whiteside, the the cooler. If you if you bet the under on Hassan Whiteside's teams games every year, I think you'd be doing just as well as if you'd done the the Kings or the the Timberwolves. Yes, very true. Um, last thing before we hop off, uh, while we were recording, uh, Shams Sharania announced Aaron Gordon four year extension, ninety two mil to stay with the Denver Nuggets. That's uh, it seems pretty fair to me. Um, I mean, the the cap is going to rise. Like, I think that's that's the complicated thing with analyzing all these deals is like we're not talking about 2019-20 money. We're talking about money that's going to be like appropriate two, three, four years down the road. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, I I think that that's I'm not surprised that they came to a agreement around there and. I mean, he's a good, he's a really nice fit. Like, I think they're just really gonna, they're gonna have to lock down Porter and they're gonna have to suck it up and pay the luxury tax. And if they get a healthy Jamal Murray next season, uh, they might enter the year as one of the two or three favorites. Yeah, as they should. I mean, I, Gordon's a really difficult one to evaluate for uh, fantasy purposes. I, I just wrote up a, a Power Forward Tears article yesterday on, on the plane and. He, I, I was shocked, like how bad he was at, at the end of the year statistically. I mean, I, I think he still brought a lot of value defensively, a lot of intangible type of stuff. But I mean, he was like, he was barely like a two, top 200 fantasy player. And at the end of the year, I mean, he was really nowhere close. So I, I don't know if, if he's just fine, you know, kind of being in that role for them. But like, you look at his last 30 games of the year, he was under 10 points a game, five rebounds, two assists, 0.5 steals, 0.4 blocks per game. 0.7 made threes at 29%. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely don't like him for fantasy. Um, I I wonder, you know, if you, maybe if you pay him this money, 
it makes it easier for him to buy into like I'm just going to be a the best role player I possibly can be, and I, I know that you're taking care of me. But I mean, I'd rather take guys like DeAndre Hunter or Cameron Johnson or I mean Chumo Kiki probably over Aaron Gordon um, just for fantasy, which is kind of mm-hmm. crazy to say given that he just signed that contract. But yeah, he's he's not a fantasy friendly player at all. Yeah, Okiki for sure. He was he was one of the other guys that was in that tier, and I, I moved him up a couple spots. Like he went the complete opposite way, where his final like 30 games of the year, he was incredible. Actually, I mean, he I think he has, looks like he might be one of those guys, one who's just like a terrible team, great fantasy guy, um, but you know, kind of a like very poor man Sean Marion in the long term, where you know, probably never a guy who's like considered a star in the NBA, um, but I, I think his game is going to uniquely translate to fantasy. How about Aaron Gordon or pick one out of Aaron Gordon, Dorian Finney-Smith, and Larry Markkinen for things? And uh, Gordon, Markkinen, Smith. That was that was what we were talking about. Yeah. And uh, I think I would. Can we do this like a like a F Mary kill? Is that what you're asking? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I was very close to to not saying F. I'll just say that. Uh, I, I think I'll say. Oh, this is just this is an impossible, like just really sad question on so many accounts. I would right. say marketing Finney Smith Gordon. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I don't. Was there any answer that would have been fair? No, that, that was fine. <laughs> yeah, Alex and I, Alex and I actually did a whole pod last week where we just threw out this guy or this guy and and made an argument. So maybe we'll have to include you on the next one. Yeah, I listened to that. It was good. Yeah. All right, man. Appreciate you taking the time to do not only this one, but the Eastern Conference last week. Uh, You'll be on regularly uh, until the season starts and and hopefully uh, through, you know, most of the regular season before all your baseball stuff kicks in in the spring. Sounds good, man. Talk to you later. All right. Later, James. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around, a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom, and a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style, all for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.